Now, when I was growing up, I remember watching in the stadiums, people holding up the signs that said John 3.16 and wondering what that was all about at an NFL game or Major League Baseball game. And I certainly at that point in life didn't understand what John 3.16 really was. It wasn't until I became uh, an adult, a confirmed Christian, that, uh, that I knew or began to understand what John 3.16 was about. I always wondered, though, what happened to it? Why you don't see that anymore? It used to be back in the 80s and 90s, you saw it all the time. Everywhere you looked, there was somebody in the stands. And now, sadly enough, I don't see anybody holding up a John 3.16 sign anymore. What happened to the passion and the zeal that people had for God at one point in time? I also wonder why John 3.16 became the most famous Bible verse. Why didn't they hold up Jesus wept? Or another verse in there. Why John 3.16? And so as we have our theme as Rally Day today and we seek to return to these things, you know, rallying around God's Word and sacraments, rallying around our Christian principles and being rooted in Christ, I'm going to argue for the point that it's time to reclaim John 3.16. Not for what we think it means, but for what it really means. Martin Luther once called John 3.16 the heart of the Bible the gospel in miniature. He said that that one verse summed up all of what Christianity is about. Why we are Christians. Why God loves us. And yet, as familiar as this verse is, I wonder how many people really knows what John 3.16 is all about. So I'm telling you here today that as I studied further, I had the wrong meaning of John 3.16 even when I thought I knew what it meant. Study it, we must, in order to reclaim it as a central truth. Let's start here. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Two things to this point. If we look at it as God so loved the world in a quantitative manner, as in how deep is God's love, how wide might His love be for His creation, I think we have the wrong meaning on it. And I'll get to that in a moment, right? And second point is the word world. God loves the world. Why? Because it's His creation. God doesn't love the ways of the world, but He loves who He created. And so I'm going to focus on one little word here. For God so, so loved the world. Believe it or not, this one little word, when I explain it to you, will hopefully change the way you look at this verse and the way that we reclaim the gospel. The Greek word for so is hutos, which translates as thus, or in this manner. So the translation of God so loved the world would then be, for God in this manner loved the world. might seem like semantics. You might be like, what's the big deal with all this? Well, here's why I think it's important for us to understand what it really means. Some people look at this passage and think that God is such a loving God that He couldn't possibly reject anybody to hell. He couldn't possibly condemn anybody. Others look at this as, well, God so loves the world, then i got a license to do whatever I want to do. All i got to do is go back to Him. i just got to believe. That's all, all there is to it. And that's not healthy either. And then other people look at it and say, well, there's a million different ways to get to God. All I can do is believe in Him a little, but I can do all these other things as part of my belief system. And not one of those is the right manner in how we look at this passage. Not one of those is a healthy manner. Because if we looked at it in those light, then it would become all about us, not about what God does for us. Because 
we look at in the sense that God's love is so deep as if God would tolerate us for anything that we would do. And then if you follow logic, that's like saying then that God tolerates us because somehow He needs us. God doesn't need us. God wants us. God wants us because God created us. God created us because that's the loving God that He is. And how did He create us? He created us because in, in perfection, in His perfection, and in His righteousness. Now, God didn't ruin the world. We did that, thanks to Satan. So, God so loved the world because He cared about His creation, because He wanted to show us how He chose to love His creation. Not because He loved us this deep or this wide. This is how He chose to love us, by sending His Son, Christ Jesus. Why? Because the world needs saving. Because man can't reconcile himself. Because you can't have the gospel without the law. And as we reclaim our roots today and we get back into the Word and reclaim what the Word is, we've got to reclaim it for all that it is. Not just half of it, not just part and parcel, but even those parts that make us uncomfortable. Those parts that speak to right here. That call us forth and back into the repentant part of life. Where we can receive His grace and His mercy that He so desires us to have. So understanding John 3.16 then comes partly from obedience to God's Word. If you look at our Old Testament lesson today from Deuteronomy 4, Moses was speaking to the people about clinging to God's Word and about the true life. And he urges the Israelites to hear the decrees and the laws that he's about to teach them so that they can enter into the promised land and take hold of what God has in store for them. He also reminds them that they saw firsthand what the Lord did to Baal and Peor how God destroyed this false god and everybody who followed it, and how those who held fast to the Lord then lived. These are in ancient times, right? Does that apply to us today? Absolutely. Because what does the John 3.16 say? That all who believeth in Him may have life. Part of believing is holding into His Word, staying in it, rooted in it, having it change us to the point that we recognize who we are before Him as a fallen, broken creation. That's what we got to get back to reclaiming. Our identities as His children. Of who we truly, truly are in this life and the life that we have to come. And Moses asked two very important questions here. What other nation is so great to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us when we pray to Him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? In other words, what other nation can truly claim to have a living, breathing God that is not distant, that does not demand all these unrighteous things of His people, but who's the true Creator who has that connection and that relationship with His creation that He draws near to Him, to them, to us? even today. And then again, though, we're more than just followers of our God, aren't we? We're God's creation, and what other God can claim that? God's near His people in His Word. God draws near to reclaim, to make His people righteous. And we return then for a moment back to John 3.16 in our new translation, using that Greek word for so. For God, in this manner, loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, 
but have eternal life. So God draws near to His people in Christ Jesus. The Logos. The Word of God. He draws near to us in sacrament of Holy Communion. He drew us near to Him in the waters of baptism. And He's constantly speaking to us and near us in His Word. So it's not that God doesn't come near to us. It's that, that at times in our lives, we don't go near to God. We remain separated from it. Disconnected. And that's what we're here to do today. To rally back around God. The roots of Christ. To reclaim our identities as His children. And somewhere along the way, we're going to reclaim our identity as who we are at Ascension. Somewhere along this way in our discussions and our dialogues, we're going to get back to what God has in store for us. But it starts. It starts in His Word. It starts here. It starts at that baptismal font. It starts on our knees before our Lord in prayer and asking Him forgiveness for those times that we disconnect ourselves from Him. So draw near to His Word we must, as it is the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit that sustains and feeds us, that nourishes us, and makes us His. And it's also a belief, though, that it's not just words spoken. It's actions lived out. Those a lot of times speak louder than words. Speaks the love that He has for us in our lives, and, and our actions then are a prompt of our love for Him for what He's first done for us. John says, but whoever does what is true comes to light, so that it may be clearly seen that His works have been carried out in God. Think about that in light of this new way of thinking about John 3.16 for a moment. For in this manner God loved the world that He gave His only Son. God emptied His entirety. He emptied Himself out. He's the one that sacrificed on behalf of His creation. And as His people, then we're called to confess what we believe, but not just in words and actions, but that requires us to empty ourselves too. To pour out the Spirit out of here, right? To show people who we are, what we have reclaimed. Don't just reclaim it with this. Reclaim it here. And that's what I'm, I'm asking today. That's what I'm urging today. All of us, every single one of us to reclaim that love that God has for us. And let's go out there and show Castleberry and the cities behind us who we are, who we belong to, and the God that so loves the world. And we got to be able to overcome the struggles we face in this world, being able to fully understand then what John 3.16 means for all of us in order to reclaim that. There's been a, a great decline in morality in our society over the years, that's for sure. A lot of that stems from our institutions turning away from the truth of God's Word, when you think about it. And when I say institutions, I include not just schools, but, but churches in that as well, and how we've denigrated the meaning of what God's Word is. Think about it. For centuries, the Bible had been the wellspring from which point society was nourished. Everybody rallied around the Bible back in the day. Even schools had it built into their mottos. I mean, think about some of our famous universities. Harvard University has a, had as its motto for one time, for Christ in the church. The seal of Yale, 
recalls the office of the high priest, who was a mediator between people and, his, and God. Princeton? Princeton president John Witherspoon, the first president, declared, Cursed be all learning that is contrary to the cross of Christ. And yet, for years, the teaching of the religion of Jesus was the underlying motive for the establishments of, of all these great schools. But sadly, we've gotten away from that. And sadly enough, there are denominations, whole denominations that have gotten away from that word as well. And so we don't just individually reclaim all these things today. We don't just reclaim individually the sacraments and, and word and fellowship in each other in the body of Christ. We reclaim it as an institution. That's how we're going to get back to who we are as people of God and as a church of God. That's what God calls us to do. So it's time that we return to conversation and open dialogue with one another. Because God claimed, reclaimed us, we can return to our roots. Time and time again, where God's forgiveness awaits us when we turn back to Him in our confessions of sin and acknowledgement of absence from His presence. And today, we return. Today, we seek to return and reclaim God's Word as our very own. We reclaim and rededicate ourselves to Him in the service. And we pray that the Holy Spirit then would fan the flames within us and rekindle our hearts and reignite us in action for Him. It's time to reclaim our identity of who we are at Ascension. And it's time, my friends, to reclaim John 3.16 in the manner in which it means, in its truest meaning. And as we reclaim our roots and our faith and our place with God, we can rest assured, we can rest assured that God has reclaimed us. We are His and His alone. We're reclamation projects, always being recycled, if you want to think of it in those terms. Having first been reclaimed by God who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And to God be all the glory. Amen.